sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life so basically we're told do not be deceived do not be misled no one makes a fool of god what a person plants he will harvest the person who plants selfishness ignoring the needs of others ignoring god harvests a crop of weeds all he'll have to show for his life is weeds but the one who plants in response to god letting god's spirit do the growth work in him Harvest is a crop of real life, eternal life. Many people in the world believe in karma. They think that if you do something bad, it will return back to you. Today, Pastor Mark will be explaining how although karma isn't biblical, there is a spiritual law in place that says we will reap what we sow. The Bible says we shouldn't be deceived. God is not mocked. We will reap what we sow. Whether it's deeds of righteousness that lead to life or seeds of the flesh that lead to death, we can't continue to live sinful lives and not expect to reap the destruction that follows. God has given us commands so that we would be free from the consequences of a sinful lifestyle. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 31 with today's edition of Come Alive. 1 Samuel chapter 31 and verse 1, it says, Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. And then the Philistines followed hard after Saul and his sons. And the Philistines killed Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua, Saul's sons, and the battle became fierce against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was severely wounded by the archers. And then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid, and therefore Saul took the sword and fell on it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul and his three sons, his armor bearer, and all his men died together that same day. Verse 7 says, And when the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley and those who were on the other side of the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook the cities and fled. And the Philistines came and dwelt in them. And so it happened the next day when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. And they cut off his head, stripped off his armor, and sent word throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim it in the temple of their idols and among their people. And then they put his armor in the temple of the Ashtoreths, and they fastened his body to the wall of Beth Shan. And now when the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose, traveled all night, took the body of Saul, and all the bodies of his sons from the wall of Beth Shan, and they came to Jabesh and burned them there. They took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. So here, going back to verse 1, well, before we do that, how about you guys turn to Galatians chapter 6 
And I want you guys to see something there. Galatians chapter 6. Just keep your thumb in 1 Samuel chapter 31. Turn over in the New Testament. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So basically we're told do not be deceived. Do not be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. says, hey, if you plant this, I mean, we all know this and we've said it before. If you plant watermelon seeds, you're going to grow oranges. And everybody knows that. Wrong. You'll grow watermelons. And if you plant an orange seed, then you'll grow an orange tree. And how do you know it's an orange tree? By the fruit that it shows. And so sometimes the stuff we plant is what we will reap. And so this is a spiritual principle that we see throughout Scripture, but it's also a scriptural law. It's also a scriptural law. There's a, uh, the, those physical laws that govern the earth. Oh, well, this is one of the many spiritual laws that should govern our lives. And so we'll put this law to the test every now and then. And if we're foolish, we will break that law. But we begin to come up with a, those things where we do break those physical laws. We come up with a strategy on how to get out of it. And then we try to rationalize it sometimes and how we can break the law and not get caught, so to speak. You know, it's like they have speed limits. And that's the limit. That's as fast as you should go is what that sign says. It's not a suggestion. It's a limit. And every time I tend to go over that, sometimes I tend to get caught. And I break that law and I try to rationalize sometimes in my head why I was going that fast. But the policeman doesn't care. He's got a job to do. His job is to write me a citation to, to make me pay for that ticket, so to speak. And and I'll tell you this, you can't plead insanity on a speeding ticket. You get in a lot of trouble when you try that. So, you know, I've, I've done that before. They hold you in contempt of court, and you get to pay a little bit of a fine, and the judge doesn't laugh at all, and um, just kind of like you guys didn't. Everybody's all like, really, really did that once. I did it really once, and you do pay a fine for it. <clears throat> so I got nailed twice. But anyway, when it comes to those laws that govern our life, we're told here in Galatians not to be so deceived. Do not be so foolish. And it gives the implication in the original language of an arrogant person, of an arrogant person thinking that it doesn't apply to them. It uh, doesn't matter. It doesn't apply to me because, and that's, that's what it gives is that, that, that um, implication of an arrogant person thinking that, hey, man, this spiritual law, this thing, it really doesn't apply to me. And so it's not true. And so for us as Christians, God's laws must be recognized. God's laws must be recognized. So now that we have seen the principle, uh, let's take a look at it played out. And it's said well in our scriptures that pride comes before the fall. And you can see that a lot of times in the scriptures. He had a promise. And Saul had this great promise from God. He also had potential. And yet pride had overtaken him. His pride had gotten to a place, and it had overtaken him. And God, and we've said it before in this Bible study going through First Samuel, that you know what? The one thing that will make God your enemy is pride. Because in James, in the New Testament, it tells us that God opposes the proud. He's in opposition to the proud person. And so we all have probably heard, you know, you sow a thought, 
you'll reap an act. You sow an act, you're going to reap a habit. Sow a habit, you're going to reap a character, and you sow a character, you'll reap a destiny. And that tends to happen. Sometimes we sow thoughts, and, it, and we can't figure out how this thing started to grow in our lives. So how did it all start? How did this whole thing start in Saul's life? Well, it started with a thought. If you remember, he, he was the people's choice. The people's choice as the leader of Israel. And so God had allowed this to happen. God says, okay, cool. You guys want a king? Here's a king. And his name's Saul. And you guys chose him. And they chose him because, well, number one, he was head and shoulders above the rest. Literally, he was tall. He was good looking. He had, he had what most people want in a leader. And instead, you know, he, he believed all the press. Instead of being humbled, he, he believed all the press about his success. And if he would have just recognized that it was all from God, staying within those boundaries on that narrow path, glorifying God and allowing and not letting it all go to his head, he, he wouldn't have just now turned up dead. And so verse 1 says, Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. So not only did they run and retreat, but in their retreat they die. Note how something that started with a thought has now turned into a destiny. So if you're taking notes, just write down, you know, um, a thought turns into a destiny. And, and so you'll see how that works. If you remember back in chapter 28, if you look back to chapter 28, uh, that Saul was afraid. Remember when he heard the news of the Philistines' uh, declaration of war? He, he got a little scared. 28 verse 5 is where that is if you need it. And so he, he heard that. So instead of taking those fears to the Lord and saying, man, you know, I'm really scared, God. I don't know what's going on. Hey, what's he do? He, he goes to a spirit medium. He goes and seeks the tarot cards or maybe his horoscope in the, in the uh, Heretz daily. Yet God being all powerful spoke to Saul through Samuel. And so now he hears what his judgment is going to be. And so that's what Saul hears. He, and remember, we kind of laughed at the medium being kind of a, a fake spiritist because all of a sudden there's this real vision and there's really Samuel showing up and Samuel speaking to Saul and she's freaking out. Like, whoa, wow, I've never, I've never seen this before. Uh, it's usually all a hoax. Uh, so when we choose to disconnect from God, just like Saul did, when we choose to disconnect from God, there's going to be this huge cost. Number one, if you're taking notes, the enemy triumphs. The enemy will win. Number one, when you disconnect from God, the enemy will always win. You might be thinking, well, I really don't have any enemies. I'm a real likable person. Most people in the office love me. Well, we're not talking about those kind of enemies. We're talking about, well, we make reference to the enemy as being Satan, as being the devil. So the enemy triumphs. And if you remember a while back, we said that the word Israel means governed by God. That's what the word Israel means, governed by God. And so the Philistines, those who dwell in villages, that's what their name means, village dwellers and basically means over by the sea, have left and they've beat the children of God. It's really not supposed to happen that way. If you're one of God's children and you're really tied to God, yeah, sometimes, and I'm not saying all the time good things happen to us as Christians, but the enemy shouldn't beat us down. They may win a battle, but they won't win the war. And so the Philistines kind of beat down the children of God. It wasn't supposed to happen that way. And so because Saul messed up. So the children of God are supposed to be the victors, not the victims. The victors, not the victims. Conquerors, not captives. And so 
yet they get conquered. And you might ask, well, how can God allow the wicked? You know, it goes back to that same question. How does God allow good, bad things to happen to good people? Well, uh, sometimes it's the choices we make. Again, what you sow, you will reap. So if you sowed in your past some bad stuff, well, you know, I've asked for forgiveness. Well, that's okay, and that's cool, and you should, but you've got to be willing to suffer the consequences because there's always consequence to sin. Now, you might not like it, and, and that's just one of those spiritual laws again, the, the one we were talking about. And so anyway, here Saul has this problem, and he gets beat. He gets conquered where he wasn't supposed to. See, when I disconnect from God, the enemy's going to triumph. He's going to win the battle over me. Uh, he might use an instrument of something of, of bad in our lives that we're, you know, being bad to bring us to a place we ought to, well, a, a place to where we ought to be. And that's back to repentance. We might think, man, this, this really stinks. I don't like this. This is horrible. I wish I wasn't here. And sometimes God says, okay, cool. I'm just going to allow this thing to happen if it's going to bring you back to me. And like a spanking on a child or some kind of discipline. If you discipline your children, that should bring them back to good instead of taking them further into naughty. And so what happens is that discipline happens and we do it to our children. We discipline our children because we're like, hey, you know what? We want you to grow. It's not for the here and now, though it is sometimes, but it's for the later when they're 24, 25. So somebody else on the playground isn't disciplining them when they have a smart mouth, some other kid or maybe somebody else, some bully. And so that's what happens here. So when we disconnect from God, that enemy will triumph over us. But again, he might use that instrument of bad in your life as we are being bad to bring us to a place where we ought to be. So Saul sins here in in 1 Samuel chapter 31. And so Saul's sins led the enemy to triumph. Saul's sins led the enemy to triumph. But as we said, it impacts others. Remember, we've compared... Um, a lot of times our sins, we, we go back and we talk about Achan and Ai and what happened there. Look at verse 2. Here's the impact of one person's sin on other people. It says, then the Philistines followed hard after Saul and his sons. After Saul and his sons. So because Saul blew it, his sons will suffer as well. And the Philistines killed Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malchishua. And those are Saul's sons, three of them. Imagine being there, hanging out, fighting in battle with your children, with your sons, and and you watch them die. Saul's not dead yet, and his sons die because of some bad choices. Now, one of these things we see, we know Jonathan was a great warrior, and most great warriors will die in battle. But, you know, can the same be said of our lives? Can, Can the same be said about you and I? Our sins could cause our kids to pay the price. Our sins. Now, you think about how that might work. Your sins will trickle down to your kids, and they, they may pay that price because of something you've done. It could be, uh, as a friend of mine stated one time, his dad was a, was a major alcoholic. And because he'd seen his dad drinking, his dad made it look really, really attractive. Well, instead of him being just a major alcoholic, this guy became an alcoholic but also a drug abuser because he took it to the next level. And sometimes that'll happen. It may not be a death like we see, but when his dad stopped drinking and his son couldn't stop, and when he wanted him to, it became a major problem. So you see sometimes those sins will trickle down. You can say, well, yeah, but everybody has choices. 
Well, you and I do have choices. What example do you set? And you could say, well, you know, there are a lot of good Christians out there that never do this and their sons turn in, and that is true. That is true. That will happen as well. So we know that though you're, this guy's being good and bad things can still happen to his kids, why set him up for even more defeat? And so we see how our sins can affect the lives of other people. Uh, for instance, again with Achan at the town of Ai where he stole the treasure. And you think, well, it was his fault. He gave the command and he buries it under his tent. But again, his whole family was wiped out. Uh, because that's the way the law read. And so they even killed his animals and, and the small children. They, they wiped them all completely out. You might think, well, gosh, that's horrible. That affects just one family. But it really doesn't. Because let's say I'm that guy, Aiken, and you guys are the ones having to throw rocks. And today we're buddy and buddy, buddy. We just did the harvest festival. We just had a picnic. We ate breakfast, some of us. And all of a sudden my sin is found out. And you guys are the ones that have to throw the rock. It affects us. It hurts us. And so when somebody's sin does these things, it affects other people around. Not just that one individual, but a lot of people all the way around them. So that's what we see here as well. Uh, That brave and worthy Jonathan dies. Like I said, we might expect him to. Loyally fighting for his God, his country, and his father, the king. Doing what he needs to do until the very end. And their death was tragic. It was a tragic death. Yet... It was an important plan in God's life, and God, it was an important plan in God's whole picture here when you see this. And taking the logical heirs to Saul's throne, God kind of clears the way for David because though Jonathan said, hey man, I don't want it, I'll let you have it, well, these other two could have fought David for it. So you kind of look at like, okay, well, you know what? This, this is a way these guys are fighting with their dad, and there's no trouble for David. And so David had a way cleared for him to become the next king of Israel. Well, we know that if Jonathan had survived, he would have gladly yielded the throne to David, according to uh, 1 Samuel 18. And yet, here, the same couldn't be said of Saul's other sons. We don't know. It could go either way in this situation. And so God was merciful to the nation and to David in taking Saul's sons in battle. So this was also very merciful to to Jonathan, sparing him the ordeal of having to side either with David or his family. And so we can kind of see God's mercy working out. So number one would be the enemy triumphs. Number two would be, well, sin causes kids problems. His sin caused his kids some problems. And look at verse 3. It says, And the battle became fierce against Saul. The archers hit him, and he was severely wounded by the archers. And then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell on it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul, his three sons, his armor bearer, and all his men died together that same day. And when the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley and those who were on the other side of the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook the cities and they fled. And the Philistines came and dwelt in them. Let's stop there. So the third thing we could say is an example was embraced. An example was embraced. And you can see how Saul's example was. In battling the Philistines, Saul saw his sons and his soldiers all dying. And his own son's falling and dying, and he himself was shot with an arrow. Like in First Chronicles 10, 
13. If you guys want to turn there and, and, and check it out, you don't have to. I can turn there and read it to you. First Chronicles chapter 10, verse 13 says, So Saul died for his unfaithfulness, which he had committed against the Lord, because he did not keep the word of the Lord, and also because he consulted a medium for guidance. But he did not inquire of the Lord. Therefore, he, being the Lord, killed him and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. And so Saul died for his trespass, which he committed against the Lord. Saul died for his sin that he committed against the Lord. And because of the word of the Lord, which he did not keep, because of that, he didn't keep God's word. He didn't keep his commands that were given to him. And also because he had asked counsel from a medium. So we see that there's this this kind of downward spiral that's beginning to happen. Doesn't keep the word, steps away from, disconnects from God, quits reading the word, quits praying to God, quits talking to God. He doesn't have any kind of communication with God. Now he goes to outside sources to seek advice and make an inquiry of it. He doesn't inquire the Lord. And so therefore it says that the Lord killed him and turned the kingdom to David, the son of Jesse. And we see this here taking place because, well, Saul knew better. Saul knew better. See, fear overtook faith in Saul's life. And so now an example is embraced because when they see this happening to Saul, when he thrusts himself on his own sword, everybody's looking on. I mean, it's your leader. You're supposed to go down with the ship, not jump out and let the ship sink you. You're supposed to hang on. You're supposed to continue in battle in this. And yet he takes the coward's way out. He commits suicide or tries to. He didn't even do that well. And so fear overtook the faith. And so instead of being faithful, Saul was fearful. He was very fearful. So why does Saul look at a sword and choose to fall on it? You know, that's a question when I read this. I was like, why does he choose to do this? Well, Saul's a man of war. And he recognizes that there's a price you must pay as a man of war. And so... Because he lost courage, because he walked away from God, he thinks to himself, I just want to end it. We're not going to win anyway. I mean, look at it. I mean, all my guys are dying. My three sons are dead. Let's just get it over with. I want it to be over. And again, what's he do? He takes matters into his own hands. He takes matters into his own hands. And let let me say this. This is suicide when we take our spiritual lives, when we take matters into our own hands, it's a spiritual suicide for us. And I see it happen all the time. People take matters into their own hands. Well, I'm going to do it this way. I know this is what the Bible says, but, you know, God's a merciful, graceful God. Well, He is. He truly, truly is. He's also a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do something you just don't want to do. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new additions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, 
We'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. We're a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.